Would you pray with me, please? Be with us this morning, God. Quiet our hearts. May our spirits be still that we might hear from you. Amen. John the Baptist has just said to the throngs coming to him for baptism that as it pertains to the anointed one, that is, to the coming Messiah, that he, John, is not worthy to tie this man's shoelaces. This is not an insignificant statement. For in it, we not only hear, but we likewise Feel John's reverence for, along with John's deference to, this coming one. I am not worthy to tie his shoelaces, John says. Well, soon enough, as we see in our gospel lesson for this morning, this man and his shoelaces indeed show up before John. And in presenting himself for baptism, this man, Jesus of Nazareth, asks John to do for him that which John has been doing for all these others. To which John, once more displaying his reverence for and his deference to this man, says, I need to be baptized by you, and yet you come to me? I have need of you, and yet you come to me. Does this sentence not capture the entirety of the Christian gospel? Does this sentence not capture the astonishing nature and the comprehensive scope of what we as Christians believe Creator God has done For us, we have need of you, yet you have come to us. One of two things is true. Either things in this world are not the way they are supposed to be, Or else there is not a way things are supposed to be. And thus, this is just the way things are. In other words, all the injustice, all the tragedy, all the corruption, all the pain. Either there is a way things are supposed to be. And such things as these are wildly out of line with that way. Or this is just the way things are. Because there never was a way things were supposed to be in the first place. It's either the one or the other. Now, according to the Christian account of reality, the reason that things feel so out of line with the way they are supposed to be is because there is a way things are supposed to be. Yet, even so, there is a brokenness in the world that frustrates and distorts that way. A rupture at the very heart of things. And moreover, this rupture, according to the Christian account of reality, is not only true of the world around us, but is true of ourselves as individuals as well. 
In fact, according to the Christian account of reality, the rupture within ourselves both gives rise to and exacerbates the brokenness of the world without. And of course, we as Christians call this brokenness within us and without sin. Now, one can either accept this account of reality, that is, this framework for explaining why things are the way they are, or one can reject it. One can either find this to have persuasive, explanatory value, or one can find it incredible, or mythical, or absurd. But if one finds it persuasive, and one accepts it, as I most certainly do, then it follows that the reason things currently are as they are is because there is a way things are supposed to be, but that despite our best efforts, we continue as broken human beings to exacerbate the brokenness of this world. Oh, that which we would do, we don't do. And that which we would not do, that we do. Oh, helpless sinners that we are, who will save us from this intractable situation? That's not me. That's the Apostle Paul, of course, explaining our human predicament. Who, Paul asks, will save us from this? Well, the Christian story is the story of God becoming human so as to do that very thing. For the Christian story tells us that when we have need to go unto God, that God astonishingly comes unto us. Now, if we don't think that there is an original design and purpose for this world and that things are currently out of line with it, and or if we don't believe that we as human beings are complicit in the perpetuation of that brokenness, and or if we don't believe that our human plight is dire enough that we can't save ourselves from it on our own strength and our own steam, well, if so, then this story, then this Christian account of reality isn't persuasive. For if we think that the world just is as it is, that it just somehow happened without any intention or design or purpose, which many very thoughtful and sincere people do believe, well then in that case, we don't need the explanation of a Savior redeeming it and healing it and restoring it. Because in that case, there's nothing to restore it to. Or if we think that our transgressions are not particularly problematic. Or if we think that yes, they are indeed lamentable, but that nonetheless we on our own steam and merit can redeem ourselves from them. Well, then if so, then the significance of the Creator becoming one of us and doing for us what we cannot, that was never really necessary in the first place. For in that case, there's nothing ultimately that we need saving and redeeming from. But if we do find this story and this account of reality, this account 
of why things are the way they are, of our situation, if we do indeed find this to be persuasive, well then we, like John the Baptist so long before us, then behold the person of Jesus, God in human form, and we too say in astonishment and with incredulity, we have need to come unto you, and yet you come to us? It is the astonishing claim at the heart of Christianity that the creator of everything out of relentless love and an effort to set right all that had gone so wildly wrong became part of that creation. That creator God took on human form underwent everything that this broken world could beset him with, underwent even death itself, and in so doing rescued us from the plight and the predicament we could not rescue ourselves from. That is the gospel in a nutshell, and I recap this central truth of our shared faith this morning because here in today's gospel lesson, in Matthew's account of Jesus' baptism, we see the symbolic demonstration of all that Jesus was up to in his ministry and further even than that of all that Jesus would undergo on our account. Humbling himself before John the Baptist, Jesus responds to John's shock by saying, let it be so for now. Let it be so. For now. In response to John rightly pointing out that he, John, has need to come to Jesus for baptism, but that shockingly and scandalously Jesus has come to him for baptism, to this Jesus responds, Let it be so for now. So much in this response from Jesus. For it is an acknowledgement of how right John really is. It is an acknowledgement that yes, righteousness and justice and propriety would require that John come to Jesus, not the other way around. It is an acknowledgement that yes, humankind has need to redeem itself before God. Not God become human in order to rescue us from ourselves. But meanwhile, in that acknowledgement, there is likewise a pledge of humility and commitment and solidarity. Yes, all that is true, Jesus is here saying. Yet even so, here I am. Growing up Christian, I'm not sure I ever fully appreciated the scandal of this story. The scandal, that is, of God entering into the depths of the human predicament on our behalf. The scandal of God not only loving humankind in our brokenness, but of loving us so much that He identified His very being with us. 
If we believe this story, by which I mean, if we not only appreciate it as a lovely idea, but in fact believe that it recounts an actual historical fact, if so, then we know it to be the very thing that makes possible our rescue from both sin and death, and even larger still than that, we know it to be the very thing that guarantees the coming restoration of all that is so broken in this world. It need not have happened. God did not have to do that. Yet in scandalous, unfathomable love, God said, let it be so. Let it be so. Well, I close by pointing out this. When Jesus said this at his baptism, what he said was, let it be so for now. In other words, it was an implication that though it was a scandal and though it was unbecoming, that God would humble himself and take on the human condition. Nonetheless, for the time being, it was so. For the time being, for now. Let it be so for now, he said. Well, dear family, hear this good news. In the final chapter of the book of Revelation, in John's vision of the coming restoration of all things, John not only describes a reality where corruption is done away with and injustice overcome and where tragedy has ceased and where pain is no more, but right there amid that reality, right there in the center of that reality, making possible and enlivening that reality, is this same Jesus who humbled himself for baptism before John the Baptist that long ago day by the Jordan River. For see, John writes, describing this coming restoration, this coming straightening of all that is so broken and corrupt in this world. See, John writes, the home of God is now among mortals, and they shall dwell with him forevermore, shall dwell with him, him, dear family, the resurrected Jesus. Yes, the Christian promise, the Christian hope is that the divine one dwelling among us forevermore in the coming restoration of all things is the very same divine one who assumed our humanity in the first place and who upon assuming it has retained it and will retain it forevermore. The very same one whose shoelaces John was unworthy to tie, the very same one who said, let it be so for now. To this scandalous, unfathomable, absolutely astonishing promise, we can only cry out, we have need to come unto you. And yet you have come unto us. To which the risen Christ Jesus says unto us now. Yes, and let it be so. But let it not only be so now, let it be so forevermore. And all God's people said, Amen. And I will be down front now to receive any who might this day want to confess Jesus Christ as Lord of Lord and King of Kings. 
and orient their lives around him or any who might this day want to join our membership here at Boulevard Baptist Church. As we go forward today and as we go forward every day as emissaries of the humble and resurrected Christ Jesus, might we make our commitment to him known by making manifest in the world around us the fruit of the Spirit. And Paul says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. May we live by the Spirit.
Amen.